Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, hello and welcome to uh, a return episode. I don't know if that's what we want to call it. Of the show, it, it's been a while. Uh, you, If you're listening to this on either of our feeds, you got to hear the return of the NWSL program. Now we're back. We had a great season. It's it's still 2020. A lot's happened, but we're here to talk about it. Uh, I am here with Logan Jones, and uh, for the first time in a good while, editor extraordinaire Jason Snow. So How's it going, friends? It's yeah. so good. It's so good to have Jason here. Like I lo- like we're all on video, which we don't always do. Jason's here in the coolest headphones in the world. It it just feels right. It feels <laughs> like the holidays, which is what this is all about. So this, I, I'm I'm glad we're together apart here on this episode. Oh, you guys, yes, you, you guys have no idea how much I've needed this. As as listeners to the show know, um, I'm neck deep in med school, and that's probably not even as deep as I am right now, but. Just to to step back and just to to talk about stuff with you guys. This is such a breath breath of fresh air. I'm so excited. Fantastic. If only well, if only Kyle was here. Kyle's out being a good in law, uh, doing doing a solid for yeah. for a member of the family because that's just that's how he does it. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I you guys ever you guys ever go to bed and think about what it's like to be Kyle? <laughs> just I I just had a I, I had a realization. Kyle and I have been friends for probably 12 years now, and like I, it was probably about eight or nine years ago. I was just like, he's a better person than I'm going to be. Like, I'm just not going to try. He's just a better person than I'm going to be. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I accept it. <laughs> well, uh, we've got a, a big show lined up for the, the Kyle Haywood tribute program. Um, <laughs> he's alive, but it's, but that's what we're doing now. Uh, we, we have some fun stuff to dive into cause it's a fun time of year. And obviously we're still a little bit deep into the off season, I did want to hit one thing before we get into the good old fun discussion. Guys, I want to take a minute and talk about Kim Ng because this is awesome and I'm yeah, very excited yeah. about it. I know this isn't women's basketball, but it is women's sports and it's sports in general. Uh, Kim Ng announced the morning we're recording this as the new general manager of the Florida Marlins. First female general manager, I believe, first um, Asian descent uh, general manager uh, in baseball. This one's long overdue. Uh Kim's resume is insane. If you've ever gone and looked at her, her very vast history as an executive in the game of baseball league wide, as well as with separate teams. So obviously this was a big, this was a groundbreaking move. It was definitely kind of a cool thing for a lot of people to dive into. I I have a note to hit, but I also want to just hear your general responses coming out of what I'm about to say, but I think what I've liked the most about this, I haven't, seen many people necessarily questioning this for any reason. I feel like beyond just, oh, this is groundbreaking, a lot of people are looking at this and going like, no, qualification-wise, this was the right move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I had a I had the the bare naked ladies from community a response ready for anyone who's gonna come after her on Twitter. Like she's been a part of three World Series runs. How many World yeah. Series rings do you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't need it. it. It wasn't necessary. Everyone agreed. Like this is easily my favorite thing about the Marlins. Uh and that's including the Scott Stapp uh 
Marlins will soar song, which is <laughs> holy crap, I forgot very about that. So, if so you, the Marlins have a I, lot. I going mean this for really them. quick, really quick. I mean this. If you don't know what Logan's talking about, I pause right now. Go type like Scott Stapp, Marlins will soar. Come back. You'll be very glad you did. <laughs> My uh, yeah, no, uh, it, it's a cool. I, I legitimately, I, I didn't get like choked up when I saw the news this morning, but I did have this really like emotional response to feeling like, what if twenty years from now it's just normal. Mm-hmm for coaches and managers and GMs to just be people instead of be old white guys. Yeah. Like what if that became the norm? That would be so cool. And I, this is the doorway, right? This is, this is the start. Yeah. So. No. And it, yeah, it, my takeaway from it, I I've loved the transition. I I've seen what you guys have seen. I think people who are inside the loop on baseball aren't questioning this decision. I think that helps. I feel like in the past, when a woman gets hired in a position like this, there's two hurdles. There's the initial hire where there's a lot of pushback from the community, and I don't feel like we've had that. The other thing is going to be the first meaningful loss, like a big game that they should have won, and then there's yep. a loss. And that's that's when you get all the, like, oh, why did we hire her in the first place? All the sexism comes out. And so, like, I'm hoping we can ride those two out because, yep. like, obviously this is a giant glass ceiling that needed to be broken. And if we can just ride those two time periods out, then hopefully this will be a precedent for the yep. future. If you're if yeah. you're primarily a basketball person, you don't know much about the Marlins. The Marlins are famous for winning a couple World Series and then immediately trading all of their good players the following year to not continue to try to win. Yeah. So it's not like she can do like if she negotiates a bad trade or something like that, um, which is already like, you know, we're way in the hypotheticals here. It's. <laughs> it's still going to be the best thing that's ever happened to this organization because, because this is an organization that's won and then basically like cashed in and didn't pursue those winning teams that they were able to compile mm-hmm. in the past. And this to me signals like, we're not doing that anymore. That door is closed. We actually want to win now. Um, so we're going to put mm-hmm. someone in charge. That's going to help that happen. Yeah. I think um, Jason, your point totally links me because it was something I did want to bring up, which is, we're definitely going to see what I like to call the female probationary period. Uh-huh. It's this weird probation that just doesn't happen with male hires, which is, uh, unfortunately, Becky Hound's going to have this when she gets a head coaching job in the MNBA, which is like she's going to have, unfortunately, the shorter leash. One bad season and all of a sudden it's like, oh, did this quote-unquote experiment not work out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's this weird case of like, it's beyond are you qualified, but suddenly it becomes this weird conversation of can women do this at all? Yeah. And it's important for people to understand something, which is these are the Marlins. <laughs> and they've had, they had a pretty overachieving season. They made the playoffs and they they have a lot of promise in their roster. But they also are one of those teams that tends to underperform in a lot of cases. This is only their third time making the playoffs. There might be a dip. And this is one of those cases where you go, you run and stick with this. This mm-hmm. this hire yeah. was made by Derek Jeter. And it was made by Derek Jeter because Jeter played for the Yankees while watching Kim excel in her position as an assistant GM during their World Series run. So Jeter, who was clearly given the position he's in because of his name and status and and the privilege that he carries with that, and called her out because she's overqualified for the position. So I feel like she's someone that could potentially outlive that. But it always frustrates me, like you said, where sometimes the internal bias Mm -hmm. is so much heavier than the external bias. Yeah. 
And it, it's frustrating. Like what she's going to have to deal with inside of the game is really yeah. frustrating. At the same time, um, it was so nice to see someone who you've known all along was the right move mm-hmm. and make the move. And I think what ties to it is the narrative for a lot of people isn't like she's the right person for the job. It's the it's people saying she's been the right person for the job. She should have been the Dodgers GM in the early two in the early 2010s. Uh, and then they went with Deep Podesta, and that was a failure. And then they went with Friedman, and that worked out. But Ink should have been the move. Uh, the Yankees could have made that move. The White Sox could have potentially made that move. Then she took a job working league wide as an ex- as a front end executive, and she's finally, I think, at a spot that make you know that makes the most sense for her. What I'm excited about mostly for her is uh, I don't th- I think that this is the ramp up period when she honestly takes over. She's on my short list of I think she'll be taking over the league before long. Hmm. I expect her to take <laughs> she might take Friedman's job or I, not Friedman Manfred's job. Manfred. And, yeah, I, I almost league. wouldn't wish that on her yeah. because that that being a commissioner of a, a sports league is always going to come with just intense criticism from all directions but i would prefer her be in that position making good decisions and getting that criticism to what we're getting from manford right now so yeah if you're you're not into baseball uh manford is not really into it either so you have that in common Uh, (laughs) i think she plays a positive note i did want to hit one narrative because this has come up quite a bit in the uh, fringe response to it uh, there was an interesting note that Jeff Passan made on Twitter, and I follow Jeff Passan pretty closely because I'm a big baseball fan. And he's a prolific baseball writer. Um, and he had made a note where he said, this goes beyond just baseball, all what he called major American sports. This has never happened before. And a lot of people did make that call out of like, this is a classic case where you call that major American sports, but you're only including male specific sports. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously this is something we've seen in the WNBA in the NWSL and the NWHL to create success. And I, I don't, I think it goes without saying, yes, we agree with that. The one thing that I do want to note to this, this is why a lot of the argument in this discussion, it's, it's not hard to just put the word men's in there <laughs> to say, this is why I do the MNBA thing. It's just not hard to say men's and clear it up because the thing is, Saying men's major American sports in this doesn't delineate the accomplishment any less. Mm-hmm. Like it's still pretty incredible. Like it's it's a yep. pretty cool groundbreaking thing. Even if you simply say like men's major American sports, and to me that's the thing that I've learned is frustrating me about this generalizing discussion of why people tend to overlook the league is it's just not hard to say you know just to call it men's it's just like it like it's such a simple thing and this would have been a case like one word could have fixed things i don't know i <laughs> it's hard for me to have a, a heavy heavy response to this and it's not because it's valid because i i'm interested when we're finally going to get to a point where that shifts mm-hmm. yeah whenever to see it whenever yeah. sports writers and sports tweeters rewrite that habit that they have of thinking that there are only four sports in in the country yeah yeah, um, because, classic, because they like, don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we obviously know there's more than that, but it, traditionally, anytime you're talking about sports with a capital S in America, you're talking about the big four. And obviously we look at everything through this lens of like, there's a lot more going on than, you know, football week 10 and the baseball off season right now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, it, that some, has, some writers, yeah. that's all there is. And, and I think, yeah. 
eventually they're going to have to learn or we're going to have to fill their ranks um, with bright young women who know better. <laughs> so Yeah. It's, it's an interesting note on that. And that's why it's, it, this, this is groundbreaking in a very much the same vein as to why Becky Hammond eventually becoming a head coach in the MNBA is a big deal because it's, you're on a side of the game that for years and decades, people thought this wouldn't be broken and you're about mm -hmm. to. And that's what makes this pretty cool. Becky Hammond could show up in any women's program at any level and obviously be incredibly successful. The fact that she's going to be successful on, on the men's side of thing adds some gravitas to that. Um, obviously she's going to have one of those classic probationary short leashes, which is stupid. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also it may end up at the behest of like the Knicks, but I mean, what Knicks coach has ever lasted there more oh, than eight months. I really yeah. hope it's not the Knicks. Cause I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to blaspheme, but you could put our back on the Knicks and he'd, he'd be out in a year. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Like Sh Cheryl Reeve probably can't fix the Knicks at this point. Uh, and the, the Knicks, and I'm not kidding, need Jesus. Like, oh gosh, <laughs> this <laughs> is not where I expected this conversation to go. I'm going to wrap this thing up right away because we were having a happy conversation. But <laughs> let's move on. Um, so we wanted to have some sort of preview. Obviously, we the lead into NCAA basketball is right around the corner. Uh, if things maintain health wise. A lot of teams are going to have their first games within the next couple of weeks. And we did want to have some level of intro to that. That said, there's a lot of moving parts with that. So right now, nuts and bolts may not be the discussion. It is also November. So we're going to do this in a unique way. There's going to be a lot of heavy coverage for college ball coming up from a lot of great, uh, you know, WBB and, and WNBA whatnot podcasts. Go listen to all of them and support all of them. We wanted to have some fun with this because it's November. So I'll just ask you guys a question to kick it off. Who wants to talk about pie? Always every hour of every day of November. <laughs> <laughs> like I was in a version of like podcast retirement where I was doing some editing and wasn't doing much. Pie brought me out of podcast retirement. I'm here for pie. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. I Love it. I, I'll i put it this way. We're going to give some sort of preview or evaluation of the current preseason top 10 ranked college teams in the nation as it stands right now. But the way we're going to do it is under the guise of, I want to hear from you guys, and, and we don't have to do it too formally. We'll have a casual conversation here. We'll go team by team. I want to hear, if that team was a pie, what pie would it be and why? What about their basketball acumen determines the pieness? Of that program. What is their crust? What is their filling? Is it topped with anything? And why? And what does that tell us about them as a basketball program? I, I That's it. There are no other rules. Uh, other than it needs to be a pie. So if you have a Boston cream on there, it's going to be controversial. If you have apple crisp on there, like Google seems to think is a pie, turn off your microphone because you're invalid. <laughs> um... We're gonna. I'm gonna work Apple Crisp into one of these just to do it. Oh. Um. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna kick things off right now. The Associated Press number one ranked team by a wide margin got 29 uh, percent of the votes for the preseason record. Uh, Don Staley has got some vendettas to handle 
as the number one ranked team at the time of the pandemic and is looking to to uh, slash and burn some fields and, and get another chip for South Carolina, your number one ranked squad. Uh, I want to hear, let's let's talk pie when it comes to the Gamecocks. All right, I'll just, I've oh, got much. Okay. Got, do, do you got I'm, not, I'll, I'm not doing Jason, this formally. I'm just opening up the floor, yeah. I want to hear Jason's because of what he said about, I mean, it's been a while since he's been on <laughs> mic with us, and and he's here for this. All right. So 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 I'm about to to lose some subscribers to me personally. Don't desubscribe from the show. You can just desubscribe from me. But here's here's where I'm going with this. If you're a casual drive-by viewer, every once in a while you watch women's basketball, you might think the best team in the country is UConn. And if you're a casual pie fan, you might think the best pie is uh, pumpkin, but it's not. Sweet potato is the best pie because right now, North oh, oh. South Carolina hey. Gamecocks are the best, so they are the sweet potato pie. Mm. That was on my ledger for South Carolina, <laughs> and I changed it the last minute. But I like it because everyone wants to talk pumpkin, and sweet potato is always the pie that's in the background like, Y'all, <laughs> why is nobody, I mean, the literal Don Staley tweets, so, like, sweet potato pie could have the exact thing. Like, guys, why is no one talking about us yeah. over here? In fact, we could just call them Sweet Carolina. <laughs> like, that could be, like, I, I'm i with there's, you on this. There's merch there. Sweet Carolina merch is the thing. I'll explain it. But, yeah. Uh, well, I feel dumb about my answer now then. I, I think that answer is better. I was thinking South Carolina has a, has a good argument to be pumpkin. Uh, because I don't think it's the, the go-to number one in a lot of people's minds, but it's still the one everyone takes when they're at a tables of, a, a table of pies. I think it's people who are in the know that follow women's basketball know that's a dang good team. Um, I, I think plenty of people, did and and should vote them the number one, mm -hmm. but there are so many other more interesting contenders uh, that I I think I think pumpkin is always kind of the default uh, like number one pie for people, but it's also like I can have pumpkin anytime. Pumpkins everywhere. It's at everywhere I go in November. I'm gonna try this or that or the other thing. And I I, I think in a year of uh, people expecting you know some of these other teams we're gonna talk about to kind of take that crown. I saw South Carolina as being pumpkin pie, like batting other teams down. Like, no, you know what's still really good? A really good pumpkin pie. But y'all don't want to admit it, but it is. Also, not everybody likes pumpkin pie, but like you should. Um, because South Carolina is awesome. Pumpkin pie <laughs> seems to be like the pie that people don't tend to talk about. Like, it's, it's almost like not fun to, to like when you list pies or when you're thinking about what pies you're excited about for Thanksgiving or whatever. But every time you have pumpkin pie or in the holidays, you're like, why yeah, do I doubt this pie? It's a, uh, it's almost like I, I first I'm, you, you mentioned not including Boston cream pie because it's not a real pie. I, I kind of wanted to work that into uh, because of Aaliyah Boston being the, the reigning freshman of the year, but there's just no way to do it. So if you're wondering if Boston, I respect that pie, though. It, it's I not, respect where you're coming from there. I like it. Uh, I, yeah. I like the takes, yeah. Um, I am going to hold off on what pie I have for South Carolina because it's going to make more sense right around the fourth uh, <laughs> selection here. It will. It's it's just it, – there's a handful of obvious pies that aren't on my list because my brain formed a narrative that I think makes a ton of sense. 
I, and, but you've got to get we got to get to that point first. I just thought of one last thing about this one. This is this is one where if people haven't watched South Carolina play or like Jason said, are still on the UConn train of thought because they're not paying as much attention. That's the equivalent to me of people saying like, well, I, I don't really like pumpkin pie because my response is usually, well, have you had like a good one? Which, you know, have you ha- have you watched that team play though? Like, have you really watched mm-hmm. that team play? Like, if, if someone claims that they're not really a believer in South Carolina being the number one team going into this season, I'm going to wonder about them, not about South Carolina. Mm-hmm. If, if yeah, the only pumpkin pie you've ever had was from a Kroger brand store, then that's your problem. Yeah, it's... There's a lot we can dive into from there, but I like the selections across South Carolina. We're going to move on next to what I think is a really interesting discussion. I have a sense that this school is going to go a lot of different directions. Also, because I think this ranking might have surprised a few people simply because they've been in high esteem, but all the way to number two is quite interesting. The recruiting class speaks for it. Stanford and number two, they did get one top rank vote. Uh, and they're looking to take the Pac-12 out of Oregon's hands. We've had a strong hold on it for quite some time. But in terms of circular crusts, uh, what what pie are the Cardinal? I've, I've got one. This is this is an early entry for for Logan's French silk plug of the episode, and it's because I'm. A huge fr- fan, Fran. A huge fan of Fran Belibi. Um, and I, I really think this is a super talented team, but I'm almost nervous that with what's going on with the Pac 12 in other sports right now, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, none of us know what's going to happen with any of these teams, but I'm very nervous about Stanford and Oregon and these highly ranked Pac 12 teams like Arizona, like whether we're going to get to see them at full force early in the season mm. with the rest of these. And for me, that's like showing up to a pie night or a Thanksgiving and being like, I hope, you know, I you're always going to have a pumpkin pie. You're always going to have a few others that, you know, are going to be there. But you never can tell if French silk is going to make an appearance because I, you know, it's not as common. There's a lot of different chocolate variations, a lot easier to just buy something from Schwann's. But if it's there and I think it will be at the end of the season, it's really it's a top four pie. I like it. I, yes. I I went a different direction, uh, but I don't disagree with anything you just said. Um, for me, I was looking through the roster. They're a fairly young team. So I was thinking like fresh youth. And so as I started getting along that line and then seeing how much talent they had between Haley Jones and like you brought up Fran and a- like Lexi Holt, Ashton, uh, like they've got a ton of talent. So I was like a lot of variety, a lot of youth. I'm putting those together with a mixed berry pie. That's, uh, that's the direction call. I went with that one. Great. Call. What is the deal? Because I had Razzleberry Pie on <laughs> <at> my list. <laughs> we're we're so weirdly in sync. I I had Raspberry Pie as of five seconds ago, and I realized I have one pie not on my list. That why? How did I snub this? And I had to work it in, and I think it works. But I'm gonna add a tiny twist to it because of exactly what you said, like the talent base. Stanford is a chocolate pecan pie. Ooh. Ooh. Because of it it has that robust pecan flavor, the sweetness of the syrup, the texture base, the beautiful crust. 
that chocolate punch, whether it's chips or it's it's chocolate mix, is that is that Fran Belibi is going to bring a level of intrigue to a college game very different than a lot of people have in quite a while. And I think that extra twist is what's going to perk a lot of ears towards Stanford's direction. And that's what that chocolate flavor is. It's Ooh. it's that pecan pie you've come to know and love, and it adds that flair that is, this might become your favorite team to watch. I, uh, I'm going to ask you a question then. I'm going to put you on the spot. Two, two teams in, Steve. Because you and I have had chocolate pecan pie uh, and talked about how potentially it could be the best pie. Is Stanford, I mean, they're ranked number two. Is Stanford a team you would feel comfortable taking all the way to your championship in in your bracket? March 2021, COVID's no more. Let's say we get a full tournament. Can you see Stanford pulling it off against these other teams we're going to be talking about? Is it the best pie? Right now, possibly, but I don't quite feel it. I will. I think when I break down my one, three, and four, it'll make a lot more sense, though. All right. All right. Uh, because it it uh, I think it puts into perspective where I'm going and why I probably would say right now for my money it's probably like South Carolina or Yukon are probably where I would turn that toward. That said, the thing about chocolate pecan pie, and I'm going to quote the bard Mr. Miyagi again: "If do right, no can defend. If if you." Perfectly execute a, a, just a pecan pie, let alone like a chocolate chip pecan pie. It's game over. Yeah. Uh, and and if they're a team that if the play of the cards are very similar to how I felt about Oregon last year, like Oregon at full steam last year was going to, to moonwalk their way into a championship. I think Stanford's potentially in that same boat. Yeah. I, to your point, the degree of difficulty is high, but uh, when, when done correctly, it's uh it's maybe the best buy out there. Let's jump to number three because I know we've got UConn fans listening. This is uh, and they're they've got takes. I can this feel is an them interesting. Right now. This is an interesting collection of takes. I have a really weird pie with this one, but I, I, UConn is in such an interesting case, right? Because they've obviously been a top three team consistently for the past since we've been alive, more or less. But the last few years, there's been this weird narrative of like, have they fallen off the wagon because they lost two games? <laughs> Uh, you know, is, is this, you know, they were potentially coming into this tournament, uh, as like a, like a potential two seed. Like it was the fact that they were going to be a potential two seed was going to be like the worst thing in the universe. But for some reason that narrative maintained, and then they came into this year and there very much was this idea of like, this is that new era of Yukon. This is that next, we've got Lobo and we've got Bird and we've got Tarasi and we've got Mayamor and we've got Stewie. And now we're going to have Paige Beckers. Like it, like that was going to be that next era. So there's a lot of excitement about it, which really I think carries the narrative. I have a feeling we're all going to go a very different direction with Yukon, but I have a feeling <laughs> all of us are going to be pretty much spot on. I'm interested to hear what you guys got. So I, I'll, I'll throw mine out because it's not a surprise. I have to finish my analogy from our number one pick and follow it up with Pumpkin. But to to come into it with why the pumpkin at least fits to some extent is, you know what? If you put all the pies on the table, maybe pumpkin's not the number one pie, but it's definitely within the top three or four of any table of pies that you have. And as such, it's like, it, it makes sense for it to be there. It's Yukon is consistently considered the favorite for years and years and years. And yeah, maybe there's a pie that sneaks up and, and is a little bit better than it, 
but it's freaking pumpkin pie. Like it, it's still like it's still one of the best pies, if not the best pie. So, yeah, I think I think our process is the same. My answer is a little different. I I have I, I think the Huskies are an Amish apple pie, um, because exactly what you said. I think no matter what you do. They're going to be a staple top five element of every Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. or, or you know, every Thanksgiving dessert. They're all they're just always there. They're always there. it's just you can count on it. Um, even if it's not your favorite, you have to respect it. And that's also you know a little element of, of why I put apple pie here. I'm not even the biggest apple pie fan in the world, but I respect its place among the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think it deserves the credit that it's earned uh, very much. So even if it's not necessarily my favorite going into the year, I, I like where that's coming. Kind of, you both went a very traditional route of like, these are pies that I think I'd put it this way with both of those flavors. They're pies that if they won a tournament, mm-hmm. all of, none of us would vote for them to win the tournament, but when they won, we'd go, I don't know why I thought they wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what, like, why did I think pumpkin wouldn't win this? It's pumpkin pie. It's apple pie. And I think Yukon very much that way to be like, it's Yukon. Like, why do we always find a cute reason to to count them out, (laughs) Uh, especially coming to this year? I think I'm on a similar vein, but it has a very interesting twist to it. Because they're technically banana cream pie, but I'm actually going to call them a different pie in a second. But it's technically banana cream. I see banana cream in a very similar way, which is a lot of people that really don't like it. I'm not a big banana cream fan, but it does carry a heavyweighted popularity. It is one of the pies that if it's on the table, it's going to go first. It is very consistent. It, you know, when done well, the difference now is that narrative of these quote unquote down years. That's still hilarious to talk about. And the energy that's coming into what this new brand of Yukon is. It's not quite a banana cream pie. Yukon's a, a banoffee pie. I know you guys, are familiar with Benoffee pie. It's very British based, but it's just the highest end banana cream pie you can find. It's bananas and cream, but it's bananas thinly sliced and layered with layers of toffee and cream. It's, it's this delicate Mm. flavored, like straight out of British bake off high end pie on a biscuit crust. And I look at this freshman class of Beckers and Co. And then the, this, this high level of talent that's ready to come in and tear things apart. And I think they're saying, listen, this is our pie, but we took it to another level for you. We're going to try something different here. And it's going to be like, it's, it's going to bring us back. And, and trust me, it's a banana. At the end of the day, it's a banana pie, but everyone's going to be talking about this pie when all is said and done. Like, like people are, that's all people are going to want to talk about is, is how skilled this pie is. Mm. So it's about, if you haven't seen it, I, look it up. It's, a cool I would not have pie. thought of that, but it, it sounds, especially it, it sounds in the vein of people who do not like that pie are pretty vocal about not liking that pie. And I, I think that also that's kind of fits, fits that narrative. And, and I think that the things naysayers say about banana cream pie or say about Yukon kind of, or what people like me say about banana cream pie like mm-hmm. it's boring or cheap or like I say this about banana cream pie. I don't say this about Yukon, but I've heard people say stuff like that about Yukon. Uh, like it's, it's gets a similar response, but the, the almost classing it up in a way is going to make it interesting. Not that they haven't been classy in the past, but there's something about 
this is a little bit of a different product than you've seen in the last couple of years. You should be excited about it. It's kind of the sense I get. We're heading into the fourth selection here. So, I mean, this is be what your preseason final four in a way. If you really think about it, your, your four top seeds in a sense. And again, it's a non shocker with Baylor. Um, technically our last national champion still, uh, where we haven't crowned, we didn't crown a champion mm-hmm. earlier this year. So they're still the defending champions, all things considered, which makes things fun. Adds a little bit to the discussion. Uh, so I'll hit hit this in a second, but who do you, what do you guys have for Baylor? All right, I'll jump. I'll jump in, um, <clears throat> please. So, my perspective on Baylor, and I'm probably going to get a little hate for this, but if we don't have hot takes, why share them at all? <laughs> they are getting a very high ranking for a team that graduated four starters. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. The idea, like, they have the name recognition, but I don't think they're going to live up to the hype. I don't see them finishing the season at number three. I don't see them finishing outside top 25, but I definitely don't see them at number three. I see them dropping several spots. Um, and with that being the case, I was trying to think of a pie that has name recognition, but kind of falls short when it comes time for, for you to actually have a slice. So I'm going with strawberry pie. Name recognition, everyone sees it, but it never quite hits the spot. And not that they never hit the spot. Obviously, there are quote-unquote reigning national champions from 2019, but I just don't think they're going to live up to the hype this year. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. Hmm. I, I think our process is a little a little similar on this one as well. Uh, my heart kind of breaks for Baylor because they're one of the... It's not at random, but they're one of the teams I find myself kind of pulling for, especially last season. I thought they had a really good chance. Uh, they, they lost two games last year. Uh, one of them was to number five, South Carolina. The other one was the last game of the year by one point to Iowa state. Um, this year is not that team to, to your point, Jason. And for me, that's why they are Oreo pie because I think they lack the depth. Uh, and I, I think this year, I don't think they have the staying power of what they accomplished last year. Uh, and I, I think Oreo pie is kind of a pie of our youth of yesteryear. It's one that we can, fondly remember liking but that we don't need a big slice of this year um because there's just too many other better options um but i you know for those initial couple of bites that front line you know they're still going to be a team to be reckoned with i just i don't think they have what it takes this year to go the distance oh man this both those analyses make this really interesting when i you know when i look at baylor i i think Right now, there's almost this like three pillars of of the nation. There's great teams. And then it always kind of feels like South Carolina, Connecticut, Baylor kind of tend to take over the discussion. For a long time, Notre Dame is a part of that, too. And they're not in this discussion right now. They're in a bit of a transition period. And, and it's funny because Notre Dame was a lot of what you guys just talked about is what happened to Notre Dame. They lost their starting core. And they fell off the map. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I talked about how these like three of the first four picks kind of follow a narrative, which is why right now Baylor's chocolate cream pie, because Logan made a point and I always resist it. I like chocolate flavored things, but in general, I always resent the classic chocolate pies just because for me, I think a lot of people just cheaply will pick a chocolate pie because they like chocolate and they don't really appreciate pie like we do. Right. Like we're purists, right? <laughs> we're, we're gatekeeping chocolate pie for the. Yeah. There's there's normie chocolate pie and then there's classy chocolate pie. Yeah, exactly. Right. That said, 
if a chocolate cream pie is on the table, it's always the first pie gone. It's always going to be. And That's it, right. I get frustrated with it, but it's always what it's going to be. I shouldn't be frustrated because that just means like more pecan and stuff for me. But that tends to be what happens. And that's the discussion right now that Baylor can still have. Say what you want about losing our starters. Who's the defending champion? Like, till you knock us off the block, we're still here. And that's, and that, I think Chocolate Cream has that. But it ties to that narrative because I talked about those three pillars. Baylor is chocolate cream for that reason. I talked about how Connecticut is banana cream in for a lot of that reason and how they're going to take that banoffee twist to class themselves up, which is why, going back to our first selection, South Carolina's coconut cream pie. Because those are the three pillars of cream pie. And coconut cream is an extremely consistent and solid pie. And I'll say, for Steve, it's my favorite of the cream pies. But it's always the third of the three that people seem to want to bring up. People, when they go down the cream pie list, you hear chocolate, you hear banana happen a lot. Why are we not? It's that classic Don Staley. Why does no one want to talk about coconut cream pie? Why is the, Why are we silent on coconut cream pie? Y'all don't understand the narrative. So I think that's why I'd see these three pillars in this world of cream pies. And I understand uh, the pride South Carolina has in their coconut cream pie. I understand what, what UConn's trying to do to reband, rebrand their banana cream pie. And I see Baylor clinging to this chocolate cream pie thing as if to say, we still have it in us. And until you prove us wrong, we're still the pie everyone's going to take first. Yeah. Uh, and it's that, that classic uh, Dr. Dre hit. Y'all forgot about coconut cream pie. Yeah. Featuring Eminem, which is, yeah. It's Eminem. Don't, That's funny. Can we? <laughs> um, never put M&M's in a coconut cream pie or any pie don't do that I just realized that M&M that, pie doesn't exist don't try to make it exist this, you could put it in cookies if you really 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 want it to which I, I still don't quite get mm. <laughs> but that's as far as I'll go they belong nowhere in a pie I have an M&M's and pancakes one time I'm really only that? saying that to say it. that's fine <laughs> It's, it was the college years where we were just like, I wonder what that'd be like in a pancake. And we just did that with a bunch. Yeah, of you just you just tried every yeah. condiment in the fridge on ramen. You're like, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you got to make the ramen and the pancake go last. That's a. <laughs> oh, man. It's like those Rhett and Link videos of like, will it pancake? <laughs> and you just see if it works. And it often doesn't. Yeah. Um, so I thought the Baylor discussion was interesting. We got six more of these selections. We'll see how quickly we can whiz through them. Uh, let's hit Louisville at the five. I, I struggled with one uh, with this one. Do you, do you guys have a clear cut answer I, for this? I got a pretty confident one. All right. Louisville seems to thrive on their offensive ability, finding solid playmakers. They usually have impeccable shooting. They tend to be pretty explosive teams, and that's why Louisville is key lime. Ooh, okay. Right. That's it's it starts and ends there. Um, I think it comes. I think their lack of full on success ties to something because I think they tend to be missing one or two ingredients every year that keeps them from getting to that echelon of, of a championship team. You know, the Asia Dury years, I thought they had an enum. There seemed to be a few things missing here and there. And I think while we don't quite know that ingredient, you know, with key lime, I think what keeps it from being the top echelon of pies is just, I just think real crusts are a step above a graham cracker crust. And you might be the best of the graham cracker crusts, but you've got to be some key lime pie if you want to beat the real crust pies mm -hmm. that are coming to the table. It's just how it always is. That's interesting. You and I came to the same pie, but for very different reasons. So I, I have them as key lime as well. 
But I was going through and I was I was researching on these teams and, and looking up some of the players. And during her sophomore year, Dana Evans was the sixth woman of the the or ACC sixth woman of, or sixth player of the the year. And then she was the player of the year her junior season. And it's one of those things. Everyone I've talked to who who doesn't like key lime pie. And then you realize that it's like they just haven't really experienced it much. But once you get a good piece of it, it jumps way up on your list of favorite pies. Not necessarily number one, but it jumps way up on your list. And that's how I'm feeling about Dana Evans. Like people got exposed to her. I think she's better than most people realize. I think she's going to have a highlight year. And so because of that, I think that you get that standout flavor, that flavor, that strong lime flavor. And I I think she's that for this Louisville team. So I, I ended with key lime on that one. I like that. I like that deep dive. I think it adds to it. Did we did we hit you, Logan, yet? I, I really didn't have one for that one. I, I really I have key lime pie saved for another team later on. Um but that that all makes a lot of sense. I really am interested in what Louisville does this year. Um although to to just kind of spoil it for you guys, I kinda have them in the same category as Baylor, where I think they're gonna be a very good team that I would be nervous to take really deep into the tournament. Um, because I, I don't necessarily know if I trust them. <laughs> Based on it's November, but <laughs> you know, I reserve the right to change these takes by February. Let's hit the back half of this top 10. Uh, let's talk Mississippi state. Uh, this is another team that I think is considered very commonly in the top echelon. They've made their way to some title, some title games. Haven't quite hit the other side of the hump. They, their youth seem to be finally putting some pieces together. Uh, but this is an intriguing pie discussion. I'm interested to hear what you guys have. But this is this is possibly my most interesting deci- like hmm. selection personally. So this, oh, go, for me, go ahead, Logan. I, I, for for me, Mississippi State. This is my pecan pie pick. I, I'm sure we all have one. Um, this is the closer you are to Mississippi State, probably the the easier it is for you to see them coming. But if you're not in their immediate neighborhood. You might not be aware Mississippi State's going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Um, I'm really excited for everybody in their lineup, but particularly um, they've got a 6'5 junior, Jessica Carter, who averaged almost 14 points a game last year, and a bunch of other talent. Um, I'm really, I'm expecting to see Mississippi State separate themselves as a top three or four team over the course of the season, and for there to be kind of a break in tiers after the, those top two or three. So uh, I think pecan pie is a top three pie every year, especially when done right. I think people closer to the South know it more than people from where I'm from in Oregon. Uh, and I know uh, Steve, Steve and I have talked a little bit about this because he was uh, in Texas for a little while, had similar pecan pie experiences. Once you have a good one, you're always on the lookout for a good one. And I, I'm excited for what Mississippi State has in store for this year. So I, I like that. I struggled with this one, and so I don't even like my pick. So don't at me on Twitter. I'm not happy with it either. I kept trying to figure out. So they're a big team. Like, I'm looking at the roster, 6'5", 6'4", 6'2". Like, they are a big team. And so I'm like, what's a big pie? And it's like, well, anything you get from Costco, I guess, is a big pie. But, like, like, like I'm trying to figure out what they are. I copped out. I just went Mississippi mud pie. It's the state, whatever. I don't like my pick. Yeah. But that's that's all I can do. I love it. I love Not, it. Wouldn't be like, I mean, that easily had to cross yeah. all our minds. Like I love that, it. I thought about it. Yeah. I wish I would have had the guts because the only problem, the only thing that, well, there's a lot of reasons why it pushed me, but I, I freaking hate Mississippi mud pie. 
I hate it. I think it's deplorable, but I don't know. You think it's deplorable? <laughs> I think it's horrid. You you went from I'm not a chocolate fan to I think it's deplorable. <laughs> I do. I think it's the most embarrassing of that echelon of pies. Like the, like I I I think there are so many chocolate pies you can accept. And Mississippi Mud's one of the biggest reasons why, like, we need to stop expanding the chocolate pie <laughs> roster. There's three, there's like three chocolate pies, I think, that work. And Mississippi Mud's not in that group. It needs to just be done with. I'm done with it. I've never I, had a Mississippi Mud pie that didn't literally taste like a jello, like a jello pudding <laughs> packet. I, I will say this. I hope for Mississippi State's sake that they do not end up being a Mississippi Mud pie this year because it's 90% fluff. Uh, it's it's almost entirely yeah. whipped cream, uh, especially if if you go store bought. It's like all right, under this whipped cream, there's crust, and oh, it's oh, so it's just the whipped cream. Um, and I I I think they've got more substance to them than that, but uh, we'll we'll keep tabs on it. We'll I like we'll it. see if they're they're looking a little mud pie ish around March. <laughs> um, this is gonna sound really strange. I'm not even gonna. Me- I'm not gonna like lead into it. I'm just gonna start with it. Mississippi State is a chicken pot pie. <laughs> <clears throat> They've they have built their hat on <laughs> on powerful size, grinded out defensive stoutness. Get your buckets. That's exactly what they're gonna get out of McCray Penson as their head coach, uh, who comes out of a, a grinded out Old Dominion program. I I, mean, I expect a lot of the same, and let me tell you something. This is not a Marie Callender's frozen chicken pot pie. This is a from scratch, you peeled the potatoes, you cut the carrots, you made the gravy chicken pot pie. This is a chicken pot pie that embraces your very soul. It It, it is chicken soup, but a pie. It gives you comfort. It gives you joy, but it also rewards you for a hard day's work. And it seemed like Mississippi State, that even coming out of a large conference in SEC, tends to be treated like a small school. I don't know if you've gotten that feeling out of Mississippi State, no matter what team, yeah. you know, what you no, know, right. sport I watch them in. They get that small school response for being Mississippi State. They have to put in a little bit extra to make it out of that conference. And it's that same thing that makes you earn a from scratch homemade chicken pot pie. Because if you've only had the Marie Callender's chicken pot pie, you don't appreciate just how good a chicken pot pie can be. It's a great it can answer. be like I, the perfect meal. I lived in Senatobia, Mississippi for a little while. And, you know, for every probably five Ole Miss fans, there's one guy like Mississippi State. And it, it feels like they're a fan of like a local, like a small mm-hmm. school. It's freaking Mississippi State. Like they're in the SEC. They're huge. Yeah. Um, but it does have that feel to it. I I will always uh, laud their slogan as one of the best slogans in college sports. I love Hale State. I think it's great. I didn't mean to rhyme there. <laughs> and uh, absolutely not. So I, that's where I was like, I'm interested to see where you guys took it. Because that might be a strange one. But I felt good about that stance. That They're an exciting one. That makes me want Mississippi State and Stanford to meet up in the in the finals this year. Chicken pot pie versus uh, chocolate <laughs> pecan pie is that's Ooh. probably my number two and number one right there. That's a full day. Yeah, I, right I would there. probably I would die, but I could survive on that for some. You time. you will. There's a pick coming up that you'll be like, oh, this is these are the teams. There's there's a team that I definitely am like that's the team I need to meet Mississippi State, and you'll get it toward the end. Um, 
I'm not gonna lie to you guys. My last my last four picks are we're finally in fruit pie range for me. <laughs> Here we go. And it's huge because like I'm a fruit pie guy. I'm not a cream pie guy. I'm a fruit pie guy. And so this is where it got serious for me. But I I had some parallels and I had to make them. We're now on to the seventh Wildcats Arizona. What do you guys think? I I have one for for this. Uh this this is my cherry pie. Because while I do not deny its place among pies, and I wouldn't take it away from anyone, I just don't get it. <laughs> like, it's just not for me. Uh, this is I, Obviously, this is a subjective discussion anyway, but I, I think Arizona's a good team. And, and again, they, they kind of have the same Pac-12 question mark as, as Stanford. Hopefully, they're able to play safely and we're able to have a full season. Um, even if they do, I, I think... I think they're a good shooting team. I think the offense that the Cherries brings is undeniable. It, it is potent. It is sugary. It is sweet. I don't think it has what it takes to get through a, a really stacked field in the tournament this year. Um, as, as I said, I believe there's going to be a tier of about three teams at the very top. And then there's going to be a bungle of, you know, seven or eight teams right, you know, that next tier down. And I don't see Arizona in the same light that I see a lot of those in. For me, that's cherry pie. My mom makes a great cherry pie every year, and I disappoint her every year by not being super into it because I, I can't do it. Um, but I I can't deny that they're going to have a successful season, just not not one that I believe in. All right, so you and I have uh, have different feelings about the Wildcats. I think that this is the season that they put a lot of things together, and I think they do make a run. Um, they've got a lot of experience. And so I was thinking about this team. I'm like, I think they're going to be um, better than even they're expected to be. They've got a ton of experience. I'm starting to put it together. And so I was thinking, what's a pie that when you have it, it hits, but nobody ever thinks of it because it's old? I'm going mincemeat pie. A ye, a ye <laughs> yes. oldie pie, but man, it lands. Honey's come <laughs> home. This is This is talk now. I like this a lot. I, man, that I have is, never, I was not expecting this. <laughs> I've never had a mincemeat pie, nor do I actually know what it is. So for, I, I mean, yes, I do, but maybe many <laughs> listeners uh, don't. So what, what is mincemeat? So, <laughs> so, so mincemeat is, uh, it's a British pie that it's a combination of dried fruits and seasoning. It has a very Christmassy taste. That's generally what's associated with it's kind of like a, a holiday Christmassy type of a pie, um, but okay. yeah, I mean that's what a mincemeat pie it is. It's it's very spice heavy, um, very very fruit heavy, and it's just one of those things that I, you couldn't eat it all year round. But it is a good pie when you when you have it. So okay, you've convinced me. I'll come to your house and have some. <laughs> I appreciate the invitation. <laughs> you can make it to Texas, man. <laughs> um. I feel very similar to Jason's run. I just took a different route with it, which is I went with a pie that is an obvious pie. Because I think Arizona's a team that's always kind of in the running. They're always nagging, and we always seem to not consider the element they bring in. This is here it breaks through. So it's an obvious pie that we just forget is an obvious pie. Like, why do we always forget? I think Arizona's a blueberry pie. And... A blueberry pie is such an obvious pie, but it just never... Like, if you made a list of ten pies, that's the one you tend to forget. You're like, right. Yeah, duh. Of course. 
But for some reason, we're like blueberries and muffin, and it's nothing else. Like, it can't be anything else. But it is, because it's a pretty darn good pie. Uh, and I think this is a team I don't necessarily see them making a heavy run. It's also a pie that I think, you know, is one that when it pops up, it's intriguing. You try it. You like it. You know, it, it's, a, it's a cool experience. And it's the perfect time for a pie like that because with, Air, with, with you know, UNESCO and Sabali and Ruthie leaving Oregon, Pac-12 opens up a tiny bit. And this just might be the time for a pie like that to crack into it. Obviously, Stanford's going to be phenomenal, but maybe, you know, maybe the floodgates open just enough for them. So that's that's where I stand with uh, Arizona. And I don't know. Interesting. That, you're 100% correct. I forgot about blueberry pie. Like to to that point, I I literally just like that's a thing didn't come to mind. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm excited about eight because this is a team that I I feel like every year it ha- happens to be a low radar team, and I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. But they're always one of my favorite teams to watch. NC State at the eight spot. If you don't mind, I'm going to kick this one off just because I feel pretty good about this one. My my thing with NC State is it's a victim of being in an insanely packed conference. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to make waves to when you're in such a deep conference. And so because of that, it feels like whenever they make a splash or they get a quality win, it you, it's this huge upset feel. Like they got this big time win and so they pop up in discussions right toward the end. And man, there's a pie that I feel like if it were on the table, it'd be the last of my choices. And every single time I've gotten a slice, I'm like, why didn't I start with this? Which is why NC State's a strawberry rhubarb pie. Ooh. All right. It's it's definitely the pie that I'm just like, I'm not really going to be into that. And then I have one and I go, right, it's really good. (laughs) And it it handles itself well because it's, you know, NC State's a well-disciplined, well-coached, balanced team. And that's what makes the strawberry rhubarb pie work. Intense sweetness from strawberry, balanced out by the rhubarb. It works when it has a great crust that ties it all together. And I, I feel like it, it builds on brand there. But it's also one of those things of like, I feel like of the top 10 teams, this is the most under the radar team. And it's funny to me because it always is. Yeah. It feels like they're always the team that are like, right, and right, the wolf pack. That's true. Like they could pop up out of nowhere, and I, I expect to see us. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. Um, I've got another strawberry rhubarb still on the list, so we'll we'll be getting to that soon. Uh, spoiler, or I guess teaser there. Um, for me, I was looking at them. They've got a really uh, diverse amount of talent. They've got some really good defenders, some really good scores. They, I felt like they're pretty well balanced, and I kind of along the same train as you. Like they are in a deep conference. And so a pie that's in a category that has a ton of competition, but it's got a really diverse task, uh, diverse, um, like cast to it. I'm going with turtle pie. It comes out of that kind of sweet chocolatey hey thing, now. but at the same time, it's got a lot going on and, uh, and it, it lands. So I'm going turtle. Hot Jason, damn. our first <laughs> mental connection of the day. Boom. Turtle pie is also what I had. I, and, and everything that Steve was saying about strawberry rhubarb, that's exactly uh-huh. how I felt about turtle. It, it kind of gets pushed to the side for other things. It, I do think it's underrated. 
But man, when it when it hits, even the store like I'll take a Schwann's turtle pie over some homemade pies. Um, I think Alyssa Cunane is one of the coolest players in the league to watch this year. I think NC State's also one of the the teams that got most robbed last year by not having a tournament because I yeah, they ended their year with a ranked win over Florida State. Um, they had a great season and I they they had a bunch of seniors on that team, uh, but they get their center back. And I really see, you know, we've we've talked a lot about uh, in the past leading up to the, the draft for the WNBA this last year. We talked a lot about Ruthie Hebert. We had an interview with uh, Duke's Haley Gorecki. I think this is a player that could be in that same vein of look for her on draft day. Look at what she does with NC State this season. I think she's going to be a meaningful player in women's basketball for a long time. Um, and it's I think she's just really fun to watch. And I think Turtle Pie is the perfect uh the perfect match for this team just because it, I, I enjoy it so much uh, and it's never top of mind, but then when it upsets to, to Steve's point, when it upsets a higher ranked team, it's almost like, well, yeah, they're great and they have a great player and she's freaking six, five and she's a senior. Like, what did we expect from, from a team that's led by a good big like that? So turtle pie. I love a good turtle pie. Mm. I Interesting that you both, I didn't even consider turtle pie. It's, it's too creamy for you. I don't think you like the creamy. Here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. It's probably my first choice of cheesecake. Like, so when I think of turtle pie, I think of turtle cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It makes no sense. But that's like where my brain goes when I see the aesthetic of that turtle set up as I go to cheesecake. And I, I is, love a it, turtle cheesecake. It is also like, yeah, I, I love. I am. I'm cheese, also. Cheesecake's a whole different discussion, but. Yeah, I'm also just I'm a fruit pie purist. I'm one of those types, you know, I'm that, you know, to me, it's, you know, fruit pie. It's a it's it's the blue album Pinkerton of, of the pie realm. And <laughs> I'm a purist. I lean toward that. That's just me. Um, That said, let's let's head to the nine spot. We got two more of these. I think both these are highly intriguing. Let's talk Bruins UCLA uh, coming into the nine spot. Obviously, we have a very packed. Pac-12, pun intended, um, and UCLA a big part of that. So, uh, talk to me. Talk to me about uh, the City of Angels and what pie they're bringing to the table. So this one was rough on me. I, I've I've been kind of flipping back and forth on this. Um, they're a really interesting team, and they might be really good. But it's one of those things that I I I, I don't know if they're going to to put it together this year or not. And so for that, I, I ended up finding a pie that I feel like represents that. Like, like if you've never had it before and you hear the concept, you're like, that could be really good or not at all. So I'm going with grasshopper pie. <laughs> all right. It, Interesting. It, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I couldn't put my finger on my feelings about UCLA. Like, looking at them, they have some really good players coming back, but I, I don't feel like they, they quite put things together last year. And I, I just didn't know what to make of them. And grasshopper pie, for those who don't know, is basically it's the Andy's mint of a pie. And you hear that and you're like, that might be really good to have like a minty pie, but you just don't know. And that's my feeling towards UCLA right now. I, I haven't had grasshopper pie and those are my feelings is I, I could see how it could be good, <laughs> but I, I also could see how it could go very <laughs> wrong. I've, I've never eaten grasshopper pie. Do you guys want to take a stab at what my favorite ice cream flavor is? 
<laughs> mint chocolate chip. I, I know you would is. just think. <laughs> you would just, just think. I love mint ice cream. You think I would try mint pie? It just never come up. Just a tiny anecdote here. Um, a year a year ago, when did we go? Uh, Steve and I went to a WWE thing in Salt Lake. They they came through Salt Lake, and we went to a show. And part of that night was we went and got milkshakes at the at the place in the arena. And there's a kid in front of us ordering milkshakes. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about this. And he saw Grasshopper Shake on the like the chalkboard, and so innocently goes, "What is a Grasshopper Shake?" Like disgusted. The innate <laughs> fear in his he eyes. Was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when someone like me looks at him and goes, but no, really, it's the best shit. <laughs> it it struck me. I was like, you know what? I don't why, I don't know why we call it that either. But for that kid, he was mortified. <laughs> he was like, it's, I don't understand. Because to me, it's it, grasshopper is such a simple ice cream, and it's why it's the best. It's mint chocolate chip, but just add Oreos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's it's uh it's the best because my two favorite ice creams are cookies and cream and mint chocolate chip and grasshoppers just both of them which all adds to the fact like how have I never tried a grasshopper pie? I we, might we go to get the together grocery and, and get one right now. I might uh, go find a store that's open so I can pick one up. Immediately. Utah's on lockdown, but I feel like there should be an exception for midnight. I think pie. there's yeah. a Winco open I, down the street. I'm pretty sure there is a pie exception in all there. all government orders right now. It's if you need pie, you go get pie. That, that was. That was yeah. my understanding. That's in there, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. got to be, right? Um, UCLA for me is really interesting because I, I've i got UCLA down as a cherry pie, and this is why. Um, it's it's going to sound a little off, but I don't really love cherry pie. I will say this about cherry pie. Cherry pie is usually always good for one bite. Like, you can always get one really good bite of cherry pie. To the point that, like, I almost wish they just sold cherry pie by, like, the shot. Like, you could just... Because <laughs> after that, I'm like, I got what I needed out of it, but that was a really good bite of pie. Like and at buffets when they have, like, huh. the little tiny desserts yeah. that you grab? Yeah. Now, UCLA isn't a one-player team, but they tend to be highlighted. Every year, they seem to bloom at least one player who makes noise and finds their groove in the league. Jordan Canada, Monique Billings, like they seem to find a way to make it happen. And my sleeper pick for for national player of the year is Michaela Onionware. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think she's the complete package. I think she has it in her. I'm excited to see what she can pull together in her senior year. And she's she, if nothing else, a UCLA team that will be really good top to bottom. They're a good roster. But she's that one bite of cherry pie that's like. I mean, it'd be my favorite pie, but that might be my favorite bite of all the pies I've tried tonight. <laughs> it could do it. That's a good call. I, I think Onionware is a great player. And anytime you get a player of that caliber and, and three other starters from last year's team in a conference where I think people kind of expect Oregon to take a step back after all the talent they lost and Arizona, as I stated, I, you know, uh, Jason's a big believer. I'm not as much of a believer. I think that conference is open for UCLA to really succeed. So those are good callouts. So like, we're now to the final selection, and this one's interesting, um, because this is a team that in a way has unfinished business, but also has watched a lot of their assets move on. Uh, I know Logan has a lot of emotional investment in this 
So we're definitely kicking off with him because I've got to yeah. hear what you've got here. Talk to me about the Oregon Ducks and what pie I they believe, are. I believe the Oregon Ducks are key line pie. This is my key line pick. Uh, the The road ahead for them is not as easy. Uh, it is it is much easier to come up with uh, obstacles and ways for this to not work out for the Oregon Ducks this year because of losing Hebert and Yonescu and Zabali and just it's really hard. Remember two years ago, they almost made a championship run. Didn't quite get there last year. They had that same energy. And if you've ever been around a, a sport or a team or a locker room where you're trying to make that run a third straight year and your leadership has departed from that era, it's exhausting. And I, I think we will probably see a step back from the ducks this year. Why I picked key lime pie is if do right. <laughs> yeah. Key lime pie is so interesting because it's citrus, and so it has bite to it. And if you get that wrong, it can, it can go south really. Like, Oregon plays in a division, or in a, in a conference, rather, as you may have noticed from this discussion, with a lot of good players and a lot of good teams. And probably teams that are anxious to get one over on Oregon after the last couple of years are getting beat up on. I still think they've got the transfers and coach... Uh, Kelly Graves and good enough elements that if they throw it all together in just the right way, they can still have a spectacular season. It's really hard to see them toppling a South Carolina or a Stanford or like any of those top tier teams that we've been mentioning. But with such a crazy, we're still going to have COVID laden seasons. Like things are going to go wrong. Players are going to be quarantined. It's going to be nuts. I think if key lime pie can emerge, it's as we've been saying about a lot of these pies tonight. Some are just on the table and you don't touch them and you look at them all night and the pumpkin pie disappears and the chocolate pie disappears and you think, finally, I'll try it. And if it gets that citrus bite just, just right, it's, it's taking you all the way. You'll, you'll, it's like the rest of the night you have a pie to yourself because no one else is gutsy enough to try it. Um, but man, I, I trust it. I, I am excited to see what they do this year without those three stars. Uh, and as a bonus, green and yellow. <laughs> I, I, I was ready to ask. Yeah, you were ready for the color, came, and I, I did. That's that's where my mind went first was the color, and I, I tried yeah. to make it work. So. I'll, uh, I'll I'll come in. I, a lot of the stuff you said resonates with me. Uh, obviously, losing arguably two of the best two players, um, and then also Ruthie Hebert from last season. Um, it'd be really easy to write off the Oregon Ducks, say, you know, you can't lose that much talent and come back. I think they do come back to an extent. I think that they, they put it together. I think they've got the coaching. I think they've got the recruiting. I think they've got some good transfers. Um, you put all that together. I think they do make a strong run. And so looking for a pie maybe isn't going to make it to number one, but it's one of the better pies that everybody writes off. This is where I went strawberry rhubarb. Everybody writes it off, but it's one of the best pies. Good call. Yeah, I like that a lot. I had to think a lot about this one. And this is a specific pie that's another like if it, if not pecan pie, my favorite, it's this one. So this one's near and dear to my heart. But I think the narrative of what Oregon's trying to do in terms of losing four starters and four, you know. High, high-level players. You're talking about three potential WNBA All-Stars. You just had to walk away from your roster and still feel reloaded is why Oregon's peach pie 
Oh, because the thing yeah. is, peach pie is seasonal pie. You know, peach is a very seasonal fruit, and if you get a if you get a peach with fresh peaches in season, it's it's just the best. It's incredible. Whether it's a fresh peach pie or a baked peach pie, they're both phenomenal. Now, a lot of times, now if you were to come into the narrative in November, peach pie season's well and over, and a lot of people might say, "Well, that the time for the peach pie is over," but a good peach pie still packs a punch if it plays with the roots of the, of that season. Right. And so you could say Oregon's moved on. They've lost these stars, but they maintain a lot of things. Cause here's the thing. Peaches can really, really well. And if you're a solid canner and you can incubate those peaches, well, you can still make a really solid pie. <clears throat> We've talked about how great Satu Sabali is. We're yet to see what Nara Sabali, her sister can bring to the table. She's been out with injury She's coming off a red shirt season. She's going to be put in a situation where there's a team focused on perimeter shooting. She's going to be one of the key points to their perimeter presence. They actually have a chance to be a really fun, her and Sedona Prince have a chance to be a pretty fun front court. And she has a chance to truly take her roster over. And she's been sitting on the shelf, canning, bringing those flavors together, building a perfect pie filling. Peach pie could still make itself work, even after season. Because of the value of peaches. Kelly Graves is a phenomenal, uh, I don't know if it's farmer, but but a, a great, uh, I'm trying to think of the term, terminology, but but he runs a great orchard. And he, he knows how to prep his trees to get the best results, the best peaches possible. There's, there's a handful of coaches in this league that I say, with everything you're losing, I trust you to pick it forward. And he seems to be someone that could potentially put that together. Yeah, they did. To your point, to continue that analogy, they did bring in uh, five freshmen in the top twenty-two recruits in the nation per ESPN. Um, so, so the uh, I don't know the harvest every mm-hmm. season for Oregon, like it's still worth being excited uh, excited about, even though they lost yeah. a lot of talent. That definitely tracks. That's a good pick. Yeah, it's also a pie that like some added ingredients can help. You know, the right amount of cinnamon. You know, there's a mm-hmm. couple pieces to a peach pie that you can add to it that make it worth. And something that I'm excited to see, you know, a storyline I really want to watch closely this next year. Uh, Taylor Mikesell out of Maryland, uh, transferring over to Oregon, coming into a situation where she could really potentially take over, I think adds a lot of spice to Oregon's narrative. I think they could make a lot more noise than people realize. She's definitely a player to watch, especially, you know, think about being in her shoes and transferring to Oregon, knowing that they're losing all those Mm -hmm. players and probably expecting to be one of those players who fills that role. Um, so I, you know, that's definitely something to watch. I also just love uh, jazz Shelly, a little bit, a little bit of jazz Shelly on your peach pie. That's a, that's a player to watch as well. I'm excited to to see what she can do in a bigger role. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Bowley's probably the one, I mean, she's the remaining starter from last year. So I, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot I'm of going purely on name. For sure. Like, like if there was going to be a name that was an ingredient, <laughs> It'd be like, oh, pass the, oh, this is getting gross. Pass the jazz show. I don't like that. I don't like, it's like that. A, it's like a, like a Tony Sachery situation. <laughs> um, I like it. Well, there you have it. Your top 10 preseason ring squads uh, and, and some good pie discussion to boot. Before we call it out, we've spent a lot of real estate on this. Just any last lingering pie takes we got to get out now before we explode or basketball takes. It's hoops, hoops or pies. Um, Always on the table. <laughs> I wish pie was always on the table. Um, so <laughs> my only thing, and and I wanted to bring this up 
I didn't have a pecan pie, and that's because I'm not ready to call the winner of next season yet. <laughs> pecan pie is the best pie, and if you disagree with that, I'm sorry. But you're wrong. Hey! Uh, I love it. I've got one additional one as well. I, I try so hard to, to stray away from homerism. <laughs> But I am super pumped for the Utah State women's basketball team this year. We're all Utah State guys. Um, that's our that's our local team to to Steve and I here. Um, they hired a new coach in the offseason, Kayla Art, who's already pumping the, the program full of excitement and and just hearing what I've been hearing coming out of that program. Uh, I hope that I get to see them match up against some of these teams in uh, in the first round of the tournament because I don't know what pie they are. They're they're Aggie peppermint pie or something. I don't know something Aggie. But I, I just know I know some of them listen to the show and they're you know, I wish we got to talk about them more. I hope that they force our hand uh, and allow us to do that more this year because I think they're gonna be really fun. Um I think that's everything. We've talked pie, we've needlessly talked food. Uh anything else anyone wants to bring to the ledger I, before we call the day? I hope you ate before this episode, because if not, you're probably rumbling by now. Uh <laughs> I know I am, so <laughs> I'm going to go eat there food at midnight yeah. on a Saturday. Um, yeah. That said, oh, go ahead. Yes. Uh, no, I was, I was no, just going to throw out there as we're, because we're kind of wrapping this stuff up. Um, I hope everyone has a wonderful holidays. Uh, stay safe. Um, practice social distancing. Wear a mask. Um, I'm not going to medical school just so that you guys can all ignore the doctors. There's good advice out there. Follow it. <laughs> I, I go to the Walmart in Brigham City. I probably should wear cleaning, like, scouring gloves <laughs> yeah. this is a by the way we uh just to kind of get things on track we have a patreon um we obviously it's the off season for uh the wnba right now but we'll continue to be putting out episodes to to keep you guys uh going throughout the holidays uh and as jason said we hope you have a happy and safe holidays if you'd like to support the show through our patreon um, a lot of this type of discussion is is sort of what we do with our Orange and Oatmeal show, which is uh, what Patreoners have access to. Um, this is, well, I guess, a little sample of some of the things that hit the cutting room floor. Uh, but we, you know, when we get on, we usually talk for hours and and uh, we think it's pretty entertaining. Um, and we, we tend to span a lot of topics. So if you're into that sort of thing uh, and you want to support the show, uh, we really appreciate it. And we use it for good things that make the show sound better and help people get more into the league. Um, so thank you for those of you who are already doing that. And, uh, we obviously appreciate any support yeah. via finances or just a five-star review on whatever, uh, service you use to listen to your podcast. Yeah. And if you are a Patreon, uh, uh, Patreon follower, you may be the only people hearing this part of the show as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Because, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say the, the cutting room is going to get probably there's 70% a chance some of this, this extended yeah. pie and COVID talk might, might only be for Patreon yeah. ears. And obviously that means this part of the ad won't be in uh, the regular uh, uh, discussion. So you're also just hearing this if you're here. So thanks. So also thanks for being a patron. If you're hearing me talk, you guys, it's probably too uh, late. No one else gets to hear me talk right now. <laughs> it's too late to start this discussion, but should we have a secret pie club with our patrons and we just keep it secret and we just talk about pie? I mean, I feel like there's but no, no. I know we're doing it now. What I mean is, can we call it Secret <laughs> Pie Club? <laughs> what I mean is, are we making shirts? Member of the Secret Pie Society. Secret Pie Club.
Oh, man. I, it's funny. I know people that, like, are in, like, beer clubs and burger clubs. And I was like, how is – like, I want to be in a pie club. Like, oh, yeah, we just go around and try the best pies in the area and talk about them. Let's talk about them. It's up to us. We we need to be those heroes. We are the we vanguards of, uh. of pie. I think it's about as good as time as any to call it. Uh, of course – it's it the holidays around the corner. Whatever you choose to celebrate or enjoy, it, it's it's been a crazy time. Obviously, do your best to find moments uh, to to enjoy, celebrate whatever it is that is important to you in your life. Uh, let's try to find happy moments as we close out the year the best we can. Also, be very excited about college basketball as it's turning into the horizon. We've got a lot to be stoked for. We will have news incoming. As far as the league is considered, uh, hopefully we'll start getting news rolling in about the status of the 2021 WNBA season, how it'll roll into the Olympics, all of that good fun. And we'll be right here to talk about all that as it makes itself known. But of course, until then, uh, thanks again, as always, for listening to this episode of WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Jason Snow. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.